I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 15. Where the best mortgage brokers get better. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today, Jackson Middleton. Jackson is a mortgage broker now based out of Edmonton, Alberta. He's one of the most well-known brokers online in the country, and I'm stoked to have him on the show with me. How are you doing today, Jackson? Hey, I'm doing great, Scott. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm I'm glad. I'm, I've been uh, trying to key this up with you for a while, so I'm stoked that we get to finally chat. So I always like to start off by asking a little bit to tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Sure. Okay, I got started mortgage brokering in about 2007. Now, I know it sounds exciting, but I was actually running a delivery company before that from about 2003 to 2006, and I was watching property prices in Regina uh, on houses. I mean, I owned a house, but I was watching prices, and I was just thinking, you know, there's going to be something happening here. Now, I didn't predict the future and that uh, prices were going to go up, but in 2006, 2007, I ended up buying three properties properties right away and then picked up uh, my fourth. But when I was going to buy that property, I said, you know, I was self-employed, running my own business, a delivery company. I was making decent money, you know, filed my taxes, everything was legit. And I remember I, uh, I was told, yeah, you should talk to a mortgage broker. Well, the first house that I wanted to buy was a $15,000 house in the hood. If you can believe it, $15,000. That's awesome. Actually they still had houses for that cheap. This was Regina, Saskatchewan in 2006. So I went into the mortgage broker's office, gave him all my papers, and he basically just sat there and shook his head, no. And I'm like, okay. He goes, yeah, no, we, we can't do this for you. Just no. Oh, perfect. Oh, well, thanks. So then I went into the TD bank, and uh, I mean, I was sitting across from a suit, and he just kind of looked at me and just kind of gave me a dirty look and said no, like I was wasting his time. So I actually sat in front of another mortgage broker, and she said no. I was declined three times on trying to buy this property. I thought property was going to be moving up, and nothing. So I ended up getting into business with my dad. He he owned his house, and he just put a small mortgage against his house. We didn't end up buying that property, but you know the problem that I found out? Why they wouldn't qualify me for that house? Why? It wasn't worth enough. I went to three separate people, and nobody told me that, hey, if you wanted to, you could qualify for about 250000 We just can't lend you 15000 because nobody goes that low. Right. So, so they didn't, they didn't me, take the time to educate you or anything. Nobody took any time to educate me. And I sat in front of three separate people. And for me, there was this time when I kind of, I bought some houses. We, we leveraged the, my parents' house. We got the money there. We bought some houses with cash, picked up one for 45000 one for 50000 Now all the houses just went up in price. And at that time, we sold some of them. And I took the money that I made from selling those properties and started my mortgage brokerage in 2007. Basically, out of the, there's nobody out there that's really taking care of people. So I wanted to get into the business to start mortgage brokering in Regina, Saskatchewan to really help people out, the first-time home buyers. So I got in in a good time because, well, the market was taken off. I mean, it was competitive offers. I mean, the mortgage ferry was just going around liberally distributing deals. So it was it was super good. I learned a lot really fast, but uh, basically got into the business from the money that I'd made flipping properties and got into the business with the mandate of helping first-time homebuyers. Yeah, and that's awesome. That's a. I don't have a, that good of a. You know, my entry story is nowhere near that good. That three nose, and then it's like, hey, this seems. What's what's wrong with this picture? And then and then 
using that as the catalyst to kick you off your mortgage career, which you've kind of had, it's a pretty interesting path that you've been on the time that I've known you and the conversations we've had. So yeah, that that's awesome how you, uh, how you took other people's rejection and lack of service and saw an opportunity. So I like to always, one of the things I like to do is I love quotes. I think quotes are fantastic because they distill an idea right down to a, you know, really short amount of information that you can do something with. And I have a lot that have meant something to me. So do you have a quote that you, in your life or business that has impacted you? You know, I do. Uh, where I built my business, uh, when I got started again, you know, I said the mortgage ferry was floating around handing out deals, but when I really got down to it and I started to have to earn business, I got involved with social media and it was a social media quote that really got me and it could be applied to anything, but as far as how I looked at social media and rough quote, don't know the source, but people don't care about you until you prove you care about them. That's and that to me, that to me was one of those kind of, it was like the aha moment because when you're using social media to promote yourself, the typical mortgage broker, real estate agent, insurance agent, whatever, they typically just get on there and talk about themselves. Nobody cares about you until you prove you care about them. So I took the other approach and joined social media and started caring about people. What I would do was look for a hashtag. So my city in Regina was hashtag YQR. So I would look for somebody who was talking on the YQR hashtag and try and answer a question or be positive or contribute. One story that I tell uh, is somebody put on the hashtag YQR, hey, new to YQR, looking for an Italian syrup for my coffee. Any help? So I responded right away and said, absolutely. Go to Ambassador Coffee. Kyle will take care of you. Here's the Google map. That was it. She replied, thank you. Hey, no problems. We followed each other and that was that. About three days later, she hit me with, hey, talk to Kyle. He took care of me. Thank you so much. I said, hey, no problem. Glad you were taken care of. About three weeks later, she sends me a direct message on Twitter, which is kind of like a, you know, a private message. And she says, my husband and I aren't ready to buy a house yet, but when we are, can you do our mortgage for us? That's awesome. I had never said, hey, I'm a mortgage broker here. Talk to me. Nothing like that. It was simply just trying to show that I cared about her. And then she went and showed she cared about me by giving me the business. So she obviously saw on my profile that I was a mortgage broker. And actually, six months later, I closed their mortgage. And it was a very, very nice mortgage. Good commission. And I did Nothing but showed I care. So that to me, people don't care about you until you prove you care about them is kind of how I've built my business on this social media side. Dude, you're so easy to interview. It's ridiculous because I was going to say to you, except you didn't give me a chance. I was going to say, hey, that's a great quote. Can you give me an example? And you're like, boom, I got an example. I love this. This is like, you're making this. It's awesome. And it's a great story. I totally agree. People just vomit their business or what, you know, me, 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 me. And, 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 and all you do is if you imagine if you go to a a party and if you do that, nobody's going to invite you back. Yeah. No, it's, it's people don't understand that, you know, social media or any type of marketing is, it's just, it's like a, a cocktail party. Well, could you imagine, like, let's, let's take the, if you get, jump on Twitter or Facebook and you're always talking about yourself, you're always putting out your business card, like, that's the equivalent of going to a, an in-person business networking, taking two steps into the room and throwing 40 business cards in the room <laughs> and walking out. Like, that's really what it is. It's, how deep did you really try to build a relationship if all you talk about is yourself? 
Yeah. You have to go out, get to know people. And there's a lot of great people who do that in real life who just don't understand social media. They don't understand the language. And that's why when you kind of put it in real life versus online, you know, just take what you do on in real life and put it online. Don't be a don't be a chump and actually show that you care about people. Right. You know what? I've had that happen to me once. I was at this networking event and I was just talking to a, a friend about something to do with real estate. And this realtor walks over and just like literally throws her card at me. And she's like, hey, here's my card. Uh, um, yeah. And I'm like, what I don't what do I want? I like I was kind of like, thanks, but I didn't ask for your card. And you just basically, you know, in, intruded in my conversation. It was just sort of it, it, there was no chance I was ever going to call her to do yeah. a to do any work with her. Yeah, it's so awkward. Okay, yeah, that's an that's a fantastic story, and it's a good reminder for people about how to that social networking is just like any form of communication. You can't be don't be a you know a, don't be a dweeb. I got I got to keep this a clean podcast so that I don't have I to hear you. I was I I almost said something because you got me jacked up. I'm like, don't be a dweeb. I can I can say that. <laughs> so one of the things I've also noticed about uh, is that for me, anyways, failure. I've I've made lots of mistakes. I've you know done a lot of things, and and there's always a lesson in it. So can you share with me an example of something you failed at, and then the lesson that you took from it once you looking back? Wow, uh, great question. I think you know. I think uh, if if I'm being honest, I think every every failure it's 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 about learning from your failures. For me, I think one of the and I got to be careful here because. You know, I started with a franchise. I started brokering in 2007 with a franchise and I worked for two and a half years with that franchise and it was good. Now, when the broker owner approached me at the end of the two and a half years, he wanted to sell me the business and okay, well, what, what value is there in a brokerage? And that was what I was asking. So it was at that point when it was kind of like, oh, well, I'd never looked around. I'd never, you know, thought to to take a look around. Um, I think one of the biggest failures that I had at that time was that I wasn't constantly looking for the best situation for me. Now, where I got to be careful is with mortgage brokers. Now, I'm certainly not an advocate for jumping from brokerage to brokerage looking for the best split, but I found that I was with uh, a, a particular outfit where I wasn't getting the best lender relationships for my clients. And I want to be the broker who is making sure that my clients are taken care of. So when he approached me to buy the brokerage and I looked at it and said, well, what's it worth? And he he wanted to make a pretty significant number out of it. And it was kind of, you know what? Well, what's uh, what can I do for free? So I actually ended up looking what and being able to set That's a good own. question. <laughs> well, yeah, a brokerage is, yeah, what's it worth? I don't know. Well, I found that I could set up a brokerage on my own, and had I have done that a year previous, I would have made an extra 60000 So that tells you that my splits weren't really good. I wasn't trying to get the best split, but we weren't dealing with the lenders that could take care of my clients. So I signed on with the lenders. I think one of my biggest failures was not was not being more proactive to be able to take care of my clients. Now, um, I think I've rectified that. I, I then went from that brokerage for two and a half years, and I, I ran my own brokerage for three years. As, uh, I called it Highland Mortgage Partners, and I was an independent. And uh, yeah, that was that was good. But even then, I had to make the same kind of adjustment for my clients because... I was independent doing, you know, 25 million, which means that I've got two status lenders. And if the broker channel advocates choice, 
is choice really between two lenders? I mean, if one lender left the marketplace, well, now I'm just a road rep for another, for a single lender. So, I mean, for me, it was the next step was, okay, what am I going to do with my business? And I, I actually learned from that failure and I, I, I progressed and actually sold off my business to a company called First Foundation where I'm now working. Right. That's, that's a fantastic, I mean, you don't never, nobody wants to fail, but I, I actually have a story where I won't get into it right now, but I once bought into a brokerage and my wife was dead set against it. She's like, I think you should wait. It's a bad idea. And I said, yeah, I agree. I won't. And then I went and I did it. And six months later, it was a huge mistake. And so, um, you know, my lesson is I should have listened to my wife. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's always a good one. When the wife says, you know, uh, they're pretty intuitive. They do. They have this like in the sixth sense and they're just like, yeah. something's off about this. And anyway, in that case, that's, that was my lesson. But yeah, it's, and how do you evaluate the value of something when there's yeah. no, there's no guarantee on renewals? Like there, it's just a, it's a very ambiguous for sure. Well, yeah. And it was funny because uh, a week after I kind of started looking into it, one of the guys left and that was a third of the income. So I was basically being approached to purchase my value and I was half the business. Well, why would I buy, you know, so when, and I actually ended up taking my business and starting my, I, I think was very it was a good step for me, but uh, I think I, I failed to understand that not one model is the only way. And I, I think I made the changes, which was good. And uh, yeah, no, that, that's There's awesome. Certainly a lot to learn. It's the it's the when you think that either one way is the only way. You know, I, I'm guilty of that. I think that's probably been my biggest failure, not just as a broker, but just believing that one way is the only way. Let's face it. This economy is changing. The landscape in Canada for mortgages is changing. If you can't adapt to it, you're not going to survive. So the biggest failure is just kind of putting the blinders on and keep doing what you're doing despite its success. You have to be able to adapt. Right. That's so good, man. I oh, love it. I'm going to be, I'm, I always listen to my interviews a second time because when I'm, I'm in the interview, I'm always trying to stay in the interview, but I, I, there's, I'm, I'm going to be listening to this one again. It's, it's awesome. I don't know, only half done. So, okay. And another thing I find about successful brokers is they always have systems and processes. They're not, they don't just, it's not just random, right? You can't scale with random. So, and I, I like to ask about an administrative process. I know that's not something you're involved in now, but maybe you are involved overseeing it. So can you tell me about a specific administrative process that you maybe wasn't working the way you liked and then how you adjusted it and what the outcome was once you made that adjustment? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, that's it's that's a great question because for me, the administration process was one of the uh, sticking points with me. You know, I was a broker that when I was brokering full time, you know, I would be doing anywhere from 22 to 25 million. And that's, uh, that's an administration nightmare if you're not administrative. Because I think that there's really, there's, there's two types of people. There's salespeople and administrative people. Typically, Salespeople aren't administrative and administrative people can't sell. So a successful broker is the one who can go generate the business and has the systems in place to make up for their lack of natural administration gifting, if that makes sense. I am certainly not an administrative person. And what I found was when I was doing that much business, I was getting by on my natural ability to communicate with people, but I wasn't giving them the top end service that when I set out as a mortgage broker to give my clients, I wasn't giving them that anymore. I was just too busy. I didn't have the time to make the meetings. I didn't have the time to, you know, follow up and make sure they felt good about the process. Yes, you can get the deal done. Yeah, you can run the paperwork through. But if the client's sitting at home on the couch, biting their nails, wondering if it's going through, and then, yeah, okay, yeah, we're, we're good. 
Well, that, that doesn't help anybody. The client needs to feel a part of the process. They need to understand what's going on. You have to alleviate fears. You have to help them with their concerns. And I just didn't have the time to do that. So um, in typical fashion for me, I made a huge move and I actually went out and sold my brokerage. Um, I looked at First Foundation residential mortgages. Gord McCallum is the owner of First Foundation. And he realized this about five years ago. And he separated the client acquisition and the underwriting process or the administration of the file. So he hired full-time brokers on salary to close his deals for him. And I had never seen this model before. Uh, I know it existed, but this was the first time I came across it and said, you know what? If I had a broker that was actually writing my files for me and I could just go out and turn more business, that is the best way. So rather than a simple uh, you know, administrative process that I've tweaked, I actually completely overhauled my business and sold my brokerage to First Foundation, became the arm of First Foundation in Saskatchewan, so just changed from Highland Mortgage Partners to First Foundation, worked with brokers here, and um, this was in 2013, January of 2013, became the executive editor of the blog, so I managed all of the online marketing efforts for First Foundation. Within the last three months here, I've... Uh, gotten a, a promotion to VP of sales and marketing. Now, First Foundation does do the mortgages, insurance, and financial planning, so I've got a little bit more, but yeah, as as far as uh, the the broker owner, you know, doing everything, uh, my administrative process that I tweaked, I just, I got to the end of my rope. I couldn't do any more, so I completely changed it and kind of outsourced the entire administrative process to other members of my team. I, I love that. That's exactly what I was about to say. The you Instead of tweaking the process, you just outsourced the entire thing and said, you know what, I'm just going to let someone else, let that be their full-time job and I'll focus on yeah. my strengths, which uh, one of them is obviously communication. So communicating with people and, and in different formats out online and in person and stuff. But yeah, okay, that, that's a fantastic answer. So now I'm going to flip that because this is going to actually be in your area of strength. So I also noticed that people, they, they also will they'll have a sales process and so a sales you know that's we're talking yeah. about administrative so can you tell me about a sales process that maybe wasn't working as well as you'd like and how you made a change and what kind of outcome you got yeah that's awesome that's a that's i think this is the most important thing that mortgage brokers need to be talking about for me as we brought the mortgages uh, as I moved my brokerage over to First Foundation, and now as I'm more in a VP role, over the last three months, we've been really evaluating how fast we get back to our clients. The online marketplace, if you're a mortgage broker and you're competing in the online marketplace, it's getting tougher. It's, I mean, we've, First Foundation's been doing it for a long, long time, and we've been steadily increasing our volume of leads, but our closing ratio is going down. The quality of applicants is going down, or we're losing deals to, you know, the rate hub sites, the rate supermarket, you know, all the rate discounters. We're, we're not rate discounters. We just provide good customer service, so we thought. But we will generate anywhere from, you know, six to ten leads every day. And when we're looking at them in the morning, you know, to follow up on a lead, it's going to take you half an hour to an hour. Well, if you're a broker and you're doing that and you're managing your full workflow, you might take a day or two to get back to a client who's submitted online. But when you look at the research online, 
the stats are crazy on how fast you actually have to be if you want any success at getting in the, at closing that deal. If you, uh, the, the stat that I like the best is I think you've got a three. Now, I mean, <laughs> the source of this was a, an insurance thing down in the States, but I mean, it was very, very large, but basically what the stat was, was you have a 394% chance, better chance of closing the deal if you respond to that client within the first five minutes of them submitting their application online. Wow. And to me, that was just huge, like five minutes. Sometimes we could go a day without it, but what we've realized is, yeah, when somebody's sitting on the computer and they're type and they submit an application to you, they want to hear from you. But we all kind of feel like we're this Canadian kind of, ooh, don't want to intrude. No, they've given you their information. They want to hear from you. The faster you can get in touch with them, the better chance you have of closing that deal. So we've completely restructured how we handle our lead acquisition, how we handle our lead follow-up, and we've got a rapid response team. We actually hired someone specifically to sit in the office and basically follow up with the leads. That's half of her job. And then she works at uh, work going through the rest of our book, uh, making sure we're following up on our pre-approvals. But yeah, our, our mandate is to be in touch with everybody within 20 minutes. And just anecdotally from where I'm at right now, we are, we're on pace to double our, our business just right. by how we handle and the speed at which we handle our leads. Wow. That's really good advice. Uh, yeah, you know what? You're right because it. <clears throat> but again, you guys have the system. You have the team and a system that you can that. that but that a principle can apply to even the you know the single broker who's gets a lead yeah. and maybe doesn't follow up till the next day. And um, yeah, that that's a that's great advice about people want to hear from you. And we we kind of get the feeling like, oh, I don't want to be intrusive. I don't want to intrude. No, if somebody says call me, call them. And do it right away. And I've been guilty of that. It's, it's funny because I was thinking, and that's the scenario I was playing in my head was, really? Five minutes? There's no way. There's no way I'd want. I'd feel like they were just intruding in my personal space. Well, it's funny. I'm, I'm thinking this, and then I go online, and I'm looking for the best way to get in touch with the client. So I'm thinking about how fast and the best method to get in touch with the client. So I'm looking for an online video messaging service. And I look at a company called vSnap, and then I look at another company, and I submitted a form. Yes, I'd like more information. Well, I had moved from one company's page to another company's page, and the form that I filled out, they called me within three minutes. I talked with them. I got the free free trial. And, I, and after the fact, I'm sitting there thinking, they just called me in three minutes, and I'm doing business with them now. Right. And it wasn't intrusive. It didn't feel like they were invading my space. So it really works. Speed, I, if, if you're a mortgage broker and you're targeting any type of business online, if you've got an online application and somebody fills that out, you have to get a hold of them as fast as you can. Have it come to your phone, have it send you a text message, whatever you have to do to respond to that person, even if it's just a response that says, hey, I've got your information, your information's safe with me, is there a time tomorrow when I can give you a call? Even right. that personalized response is what people want to see. And your, your chances of closing that business, it just it's incredibly higher. And we've been seeing huge success with it. People are, we're, we have not had any kickback on, whoa, sorry, uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting a call so fast. It's 
we've been getting. Hey, thanks so much for calling. I really appreciate it. Let's talk. That that is that's brilliant. Okay, uh, another area that I've noticed too it, that a lot of conversations been around, and I've been reading in the magazines is that the need to diversify your income. So as mortgage brokers, yeah. obviously we, you know, we have mortgages and then sometimes the creditor insurance. And I know you, this is a great question for you guys because you're, you're doing, you're totally doing this. So what's your sort of take on uh, diversifying your income and how can a brokers do this successfully? Okay. The two parts to that question. Uh, first is a broker. Now I'm going to go on the record and say, I think if you're a mortgage broker, you're best suited to niche out. Get yourself a niche market. Don't be everything to everybody. You have to have the discipline to say no to certain types of business, and you have to become an expert. Now, that's on a broker side. So if you want to focus in on first-time homebuyers who are getting gifts from their parents, and that's what you want to go after, become the very best at that. But don't pretend that you can do that business and line of credits and rental properties and commercial and farmland. It just doesn't work. You cannot be good at every type of broker. That's just my personal opinion. Now, as far as brokerages go, yes, we. what is brokerage work? What is the average broker owner? The, with every mortgage broker, what, the first question a mortgage broker is asked if they're looking to candidate a new business is, what are my splits going to be? And the second question is, are you sure they're not, can't be higher? Mm-hmm. You know, like mortgage brokers just want the most and you can't blame them for it. But the, the model, the brokerage model is flawed. The broker doesn't make anything, assumes most of the risk. It's, to me, it doesn't make sense. So as far as a mortgage brokerage is concerned, how is the broker owner going to make money going forward? He has to diversify. You have to figure out how can I, like, what, how can we ever sell our business? You know, that was the question I had at Highland Mortgage Partners. I'm pretty much a solo show. Who's going to buy my book of business on a five? Uh, most of my mortgages are five-year fixed or variable, so my book's going to turn over once every three to five years, and the banks have an eighty-five percent retention rate. Well, my book's worth nothing. So if you're a broker owner or a brokerage owner, you have to be looking for ways to add value to your book. And uh, at First Foundation, Gord McCallum uh, started a, an insurance division, and we've actually just uh, opened up a financial planning division. So we do the life insurance, we do home insurance, auto insurance, commercial insurance, which allows us to target small business clients. And when you've got a small business client uh, that needs commercial insurance, perfect. They come in from there. Well, now we can have that conversation about, well, what's your, what are you doing for your financial planning? Like, are you writing off most of your income? Because if you've got a $30,000 income and that's all you're showing on your line 150, you're not really qualifying for a mortgage right now. So we, we actually can work with clients on a, kind of a financial hub. We're, we're more of a center. We're diversified. And to be quite honest, isn't that just the bank's model? The more lines of business you have with certain clients, the higher their loyalty is. And that's where we've been. We've seen people come to us for auto insurance. We can save the money on the on our auto insurance and they become mortgage clients. And it's super convenient to have uh, to be able to write home insurance in-house when we've got uh, mortgage clients. So we've started cross-referring from business to business within our own building. And now we can place a value on our book of business on the mortgage side because we've got uh, insurance. And we can say this percentage of our business converts to insurance. This insurance business, it allows us to uh, make money on a year-over-year basis. 
Right. No, that's you guys have you guys have done a very good job of that compared to like a lot of people have, are doing it on a smaller scale, but Gord doesn't do anything on a small scale. So no, I, I'm not surprised he's gonna like you know take over the world and you and you two together that'll be great. <laughs> Another thing I find is uh, I've got a family, you've got a family. It's gotten bigger recently, and it's probably yeah. you know if you're if you have your way, it'll be even larger. So how do you <laughs> balance running your mortgage practice and ha- having your family? Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. You know, I've got I've got a wife and four kids. My wife stays home with our kids because I think I don't know that there's a job out there that she could do that would cover the cost of daycare. So uh, not that that really means anything. She stays home because she loves the kids and she wants to take care of them. But I mean, yeah, it's it's hard. One of the things that I did was uh, one of the other reasons that I sold my brokerage was, you know, I was putting in 12 to 14 hours a day, you know, five, six days a week. That's hard. It's easy when you're a single guy. When you're married, it's not necessarily the best for your marriage. When you've got a couple of kids, now you're kind of saying, well, is all of this work work worth it? So, yeah, um, for me, I've taken a, a pay cut, but I've got a work-life balance. Yeah, I still work in the evenings. Some, you know, I... I do. I don't think you'll ever keep me away from my work, but I love what I do. And that's, I think that's the difference. I think um, I truly am passionate about what I do. I love talking with people. I love the financial services industry. I love mortgages. It may, it, that might sound crazy to some people, but I love helping people. It's the helping people out. It's the, the educational part. Do I like dealing with, on a Friday afternoon, a, a condition of financing and an underwriter who's overworked and not responding to my documents? No, I hate that part, but I like that part go so i've i've taken out the stress out i'm still involved but uh yeah it's how do you find a work-life balance carefully Carefully. that's a really good answer really good answer it's it's one of those things you just got to keep working at it right because if you're a typical entrepreneur in this industry you're gonna probably work too much and you got to pull it back and i think you know part of the conversation earlier listen to your wife (laughs) <laughs> you know, listen, you know, if you're if you're a, a woman in this industry, listen to your husband and, you know, be a part of that. Like, right. Always be listening and always. Uh, yeah. Do it carefully. Carefully. That is, dude, I'm, I'm loving this interview. So, OK, uh, I'm going to I'm going to move to the rapid fire question. So these ones you can answer sure. a little shorter answer. So what is the number one thing holding most mortgage brokers back from being successful? They're chumps. They're chumps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They, they're, they're all about themselves. Uh, I honestly, I think, I think that's it. It's uh, go back to my quote. You know, nobody cares about you until you care about them. Uh, a lot of people get into this industry because they think it's about them. They think it's an easy way to make money. Maybe that they've been told by somebody, oh yeah, you got to do this. But no, I mean, I think that if you're getting into this industry, you got to be passionate about people. You got to be passionate about the process, about teaching people and helping people. Don't be in this business for a paycheck. That that was what I would say. Right, that's an awesome answer. And if uh, what do you have an internet? I know this is a great question for you because you're really tied in with the tech stuff. So do you have an internet resource software program, kind of like an Evernote that you use in your business? That's you that you really like. You couldn't live without. See, this is I'm a I'm an always change it up kind of guy. I I, I don't really have one. Um, I what's what's working right now? What about right now? Like I know I, if it, it's okay if it changes in three months, but what today you, are you excited about? You're like this is really helping me out. I would have to say HubSpot. 
We've been looking at HubSpot, um, just in more of the content marketing. If you're looking for a good resource on content marketing, HubSpot.com is, is, they've got so many stuff about ebooks and, you know, content marketing and getting value. And, uh, yeah, that's, it, it's a, it's a software. It's a tool. I'm a HubSpot partner. Uh, now we don't actually use it for first foundation, but just the concepts behind it is, it's incredible. And it's, it's helping me, it's helping me to do my job better. Now I, I I use Drop, Dropbox. I use Evernote. I, I you know so I, I the funny thing is is there's probably not anything that I am not on because that's just kind of my when it's new and it's shiny I love it and I go <laughs> straight to it. So for me to say one thing is better than the other, uh, no, I'd say HubSpot's a great resource. Okay, cool. That's a great. And then if you had a book that you could recommend to our listeners, what would it be? You know, I always say Good to Great because it's just if you haven't read Good to Great, uh, you need to. Um, other than that, oh man, uh, Unmarketing by Scott Stratton's a really good book. I love reading too. Uh, Rework is another good book. Um, yeah, I could go on and probably list a hundred books, but yeah, I would say if you're talking about building your business and figuring out, uh, you know, what, what your business looks like and what it should look like, Good to Great's an excellent book. Um, yeah, if you're learning about social media, definitely on marketing. Okay, awesome. Thank you. And then last question. So this is one of my favorites. If you could jump into the DeLorean, remember the movie Back to the Future? Absolutely. I watched it the other day for the, for the first time in a while. I was like, man, there's so much product <laughs> placement in that movie. Like they got Pepsi, they've got like, oh, and it's, I know. it's so obvious. You're like, I can't believe that, you know, and I, at the time I never noticed it, but for sure there's, you know, Nike, That it was just crazy, all the product placement in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I digress. Okay, here's the here's the question. So, if you got the DeLorean you, and you can travel to, there's one time that it's the date set to the first day you started as a mortgage broker, and you could travel back those seven years and you could sit down with yourself for 15 minutes and give yourself three pieces of advice. What would you say to yourself? Oh man, that's a you know I, I looked at this and I guess the first thing would be find balance. I, I think where I've, you know, uh, part of my success and part of my failure in business is that when I'm in, I'm all in and I just go for it. But to what expense? You know, you, you asked the, the great question about how do you balance running a business mortgage practice in your family? Well, I failed at that for a lot of years. And I think if I could sit down talk to myself in the future, I'd say, look, you don't have to kill a hundred deals in your first year. Yeah, you got to work like you got to, but not at the expense of what you love. Figure out what you really want to do and go after it. I felt like I felt validated by the amount of deals I was doing and the numbers that I was making. But to what end? To, to, the, to, to alienate my family? To not be a dad that saw his kids grow up? Like, I know it sounds so cliche, but we just assume that it's cliche so we don't let it actually penetrate. Because people would say to me, hey, man, you got to slow down. It's like, no, I'm just working, man. I'm taking, I'm doing this. And it's like, no, you, you can really, you know, you probably don't need to be working. No, I, I found, you know, there was pride at working at two in the morning, at three in the morning and being up and, you know, not just working at the times, but letting people know that you were working at that time. You know, find balance. That's what I would say to me. I would say, you know, take care of your health. Take care of your family. Spend time doing the things you like. Yeah, and I, I know I love working, but, you know, take some time. Away. I, I, I think there was a time there for four straight years that I never took a break. You know, like get away from your phone. 
your world won't explode if you get away from your phone there. That's number one, find balance. Number two, get away from your phone. I shut my phone off for a week here last week or uh, uh, this last year. It was incredible. I forgot what silence was like. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah, it was. <laughs> and when I came back, not everybody even knew that I was gone. So we're certainly not as important as we think we are. Um, you know, I'm not saying completely neglect your clients. Of course, have a place, have a plan in place for what you want to do. But yeah, no, learn to shut off your phone. And uh, yeah, I, I guess number three would be uh, for me. I think there was a lot of decisions that I didn't make because I didn't uh, I, I didn't jump on it. Now that was more early on. I think I've learned from it. So um, yeah, I think I would have made some decisions quicker. I think I would have uh, you know not found my value in money, but by the service that I was providing. So so I what would number three be then? What's number three? You got find balance, get away from your phone, and then what? How would you yeah. how succinct? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's the thing. I think it's kind of more like yeah, I, I come. I don't know. I, I'm stumped. Okay, we can stumped leave it at for two. A third one. Yeah, let's leave it at two. But yeah, no, I'm. Yeah, I think the fine balance is the is the huge one for me. And get away from your phone. Well, Jackson, I have absolutely loved this interview. You are one. You are so easy to interview because you're so good at communicating and you're so passionate, <laughs> and you literally are like jumping ahead before I'm asking you questions. So, how can people find you online? Uh, hit me on Twitter at Kilted Broker. I pretty much, if you Google Kilted Broker, at one point I had a business card that all it said was the Kilted Broker. Google it. And then, of course, it wasn't uh, Saskatchewan license compliant. So I had to get a new business card. But yeah, if you Google me, I think I'm on the first 18 or 20 pages of Google. So yeah, uh, I'd love to connect with you on social media. If you're a mortgage broker and you want to talk to me, connect with me. I'm certainly not afraid of uh, uh, talking. And, you know, Scott, I love what you're doing here. I love uh, the industry focus. I like talking to the industry. I like, uh, you know, because I do the same. I, I learn from people in the industry. I like hearing what they've got to say. I like reading the CMP magazine and seeing the different takes on it. It's, you know, I, I think uh, as an industry, we can certainly work together. I don't look at mortgage brokers as my competition. The bank at this time, what are we, uh, July 2014? Banks have 70 to 75% of the market share. Let's go after them. Let's work together as brokers, go after the banks, take all of their bro- all of their mortgages off their desk, and once we've got 90% of market share, then I'll start to go, go after mortgage brokers. But right now, I think we should all be working together. I think we should be working together to help our lending partners be efficient. And yeah, that's... I certainly have no problems uh, working towards a better mortgage broker industry in Canada. Dude, that's awesome. And then are you guys hiring? Uh, yeah, kind of. We're always looking for good people. So if somebody, exactly. I guess they can reach out to you on Twitter or find you and then say, hey, look, I'd like to chat and see what, and if there's a fit. I just like to ask that because if somebody listens yeah. to this and they go, hey, you know what? He seems like a cool guy. I'd like to maybe connect with them. Then they can, they can, they can decide to do it themselves. Yeah, let me put this out there. We're in Alberta and Saskatchewan right now. Uh, We would like to be in other provinces, but it's certainly not going to be us moving into other provinces on our own strength. uh, We're always looking to do business with good people who see things the same as we do and, you know... uh, and who are doing good business. So we're always open to a conversation, but I will say this, we move slow because it's got to be right. right. You got to, you know, the, you, you don't like even what you said, you, you rushed into a decision and it was a, it was a bad one. 
yeah, no, we're we're going to feel things out for a long time before anything really gets done. Right. Well, Broker Nation, I hope you've enjoyed this interview. I know I have. And you can to get the show notes and all the links and, and track down uh, Jackson, just go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com. Jackson, thanks so much for your time, man. I have loved this chat. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Scott. Where the best mortgage brokers get better. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Beckford here. Have you joined our VIP club for mortgage brokers yet? If not, you're missing out. We share exclusive content not available on the web or the show. We share scripts, step-by-step guides, and other insider tips to help you save time and make you more money. I can't tell you how many times after I turn off the recorder, a guest starts sharing some awesome advice or a script or, or a tip, and I take the best of this and share it with my VIPs. If you want to get on the list, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. That's ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. Oh, and one other thing, since this is exclusively for mortgage brokers, there is a skill testing question. Good luck, and I hope you continue to rock your mortgage biz. 